all saints, uh, almost with no exception, have a place where they go to pray. You know, they, and it's always a special place, even if it's simple. You know, even if it's in the cave in the desert, there's a candle and an icon or whatever it is. So sacred space is where we set up in our homes a place dedicated to prayer that helps our bodies and our hearts and minds more deeply engage to solve the biggest problem in prayer, which is sacred attention. And that's the ability to give our hearts and minds, to fill our hearts and minds with God. Learning the way of discernment and walking with the church and really being very purposeful of just trying to purge all of our brokenness in cooperation with the Lord, you know, a deep understanding of what is sin. Uh, how did I get in this place in the first place? What did I do to contribute to this? What is the Lord asking of me? Hello and welcome to another Perusia podcast. I'm Shabal Reish, your host. Very excited to have in the studio with me, all the way from the United States, the founders of the Avila Foundation. We have both Dan and Stephanie Burke, who are on tour in Australia right now, promoting their great work. And uh, I've had the privilege of seeing them in action, uh, being on a few retreats together. And we're going to unpack a bit of their story, their testimony, a bit about their apostolate work. And we're going to also dive into prayer. What is prayer and how can you deepen your prayer life? So welcome, Stephanie and Dan. How are you? Great. It's great to be with you. It's awesome to be with you. Yeah. yeah. I'm uh, very excited for this because I've got to know you more and more over the last week or so, week and a half. Um, and you guys have been busy. You, you've hit the ground running. <laughs> Um, talk about, you know, over over the Christmas New Year period, you know, you, you came into Australia, didn't have much downtime, and then, you know, you had filming. Uh, we did Academy course, which is which is a part of what, what we're doing here, uh, the Perusia Academy course. Very excited to announce it. Uh, now available, um, Introduction to Mental Prayer and the Interior Life. Mm -hmm. Excellent course. But you went up to Armidale with the uh, Immaculata Sisters and spoke to hundreds of uh, teenagers mm -hmm. and, and young adults and that was wonderful. Then you had to come back. We did a marriage retreat. It was full on. We had a women's retreat. We had uh, more filming for the course. We had uh, multiple parish talks. And now this is the, the last day, I guess, in Sydney. Um, and then you go off to Melbourne and, and then back back uh, home. How are you guys feeling? <laughs> <laughs> if, if I doze off during our conversation, don't take it personal. <laughs> it's, been, it's been amazing. It's been a really yeah. um, beautiful tour. And um, I, I've just fallen in love with the Australian people, um, the birds, the sounds, the beauty here. It's just really, it's been wonderful. The, the people are incredible. So, Praise God. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm glad to hear. Well, you guys are incredible. And it's, um, uh, it's great to, 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 have, to be able to meet you in person. Um, we, we met once uh, over in the States. At yeah, Napa, Napa that, was, that was fun. It was at a time when um, a friend of ours, uh, Rob, and, and shout out to Rob Zarr, who was talking about, about getting you to Australia. It was, mm -hmm. it was interesting. It was weeks before then I got to meet you. I was like, oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, what's going on here? This is a divine providence. And, yeah. uh, and here we are. It hasn't been not even two years later. And I'm so glad. Um, and one big announcement if, as, as we um, dive into this conversation, Perusia is, is, is very pleased to announce we can print your books, the Sophia yeah. books, yeah. Uh, uh, in Australia. And I'm holding a couple of them now. Um, uh, your first and last, most recent book, I yeah, understand. Yeah. Um, so just very quickly, uh, the first book you've written, this one here. Navigating the Interior Life, yeah. Um, this, uh, when, when did this? 2011. 2011, okay. Mm -hmm. So that uh, is with Sophia. We're now printing it. Yeah. available um, in this region at perusiamedia.com 
And we'll have the link to Sophia Press as well. And then we also got this most recent one. Um, Finding Peace in the Storm, yeah. So um, was this uh, about a year ago? Like, uh, I think, it was, yeah, it was last year, last year basically. Okay. It's a reflection on St. Alphonsus Liguri's uniformity with God's will. So, wow. so the, he, he wrote most of it. <laughs> but my goal was to bring it to um, to modern ears in a way that was understandable. You know, it was written hundreds of years ago, and some of the language he used is a little archaic, and some of the concepts might be foreign spiritually. spiritually. So I wrote commentary throughout the book. Okay. But my motivation was that uh, we have some very difficult times in the church and outside mm-hmm. of the church, mm-hmm. and this book and his perspective on like what is God up to in the midst of all this mess mm. uh, is glorious and it's liberating and it gives you peace. And so uh, I wanted to bring it out and I also give my son credit. It's fascinating. Well, it's a joy. My son's name is Jordan Burke. He has he works for us and and also has a do the heart do the harder thing on Instagram and his own sub ministry under what we're doing. And it's it's an amazing joy to have your son recommending spiritual books to you. So he recommended I read Uniformity with God's Will. Everybody read everybody, it. Well, yeah, he was telling everybody about it. <laughs> he was passing yeah. it out. <laughs> so I read it and I thought, oh my, this yeah. has got to get out uh, in our time. Because it was, it's a, it's, it's a, the original book is just a letter. So it's, it's very short and it's, it has no spline, so they disappear. You know how those books are. Yeah. <laughs> Splineless books disappear and are not read again. So I thought we need to give it a spline and and, and update it and and so uh, yeah it was a joy to do. And I was receiving so many consolations as I'm right. editing it and recrafting it a bit and then commenting on it. I was brought to a great deal of peace. It, it actually changed me, and I know that can sound cliche, but it did. It really uh, brought home some principles and ideas that uh, Jean-Pierre de Cossade in Sacrament of the Present Moment. Mm-hmm. Father Jacques Philippe in uh, yeah. Finding Peace uh, or Searching for and Maintaining Peace. <clears throat> These great writers and spiritual masters, you know, have a similar theme, but Alphonsus is the hardest hitting, mm-hmm. the most direct, the most clear, the most concise. And so it, I've been studying these others for years, mostly Kassad, and that's changed me. But then with Luguri, it was kind of the pinnacle of the ideas. You know, they're explored well with these other writers. Liguri, as a doctor of the church, did what doctors do, which is make the <clears throat> make the work timeless. Praise God. So yeah. blessed to have these available. Um, can't wait to dive in. Um, so that, and the other two we had, and, and it's been amazing. Uh, we, we sold out of the Sydney ones. That's why I'm not mm-hmm. holding them up in my hands. But uh, we, we had um, the, the Spiritual Warfare book. And Discernment of the Spirit, yeah. Uh, Discernment of the Spirit. That's... That's been a very popular one. And, oh, it's uh, very hugely popular. Yeah, uh, amazing. And and then this one, which is with Dynamic Catholic, and yeah. we're hoping uh, to get this available in Australia more uh, mainstream. But Into the Deep, which was a th- pretty much the theme of of the public talks. Um, yeah. Uh, and so this has been a must for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so very quickly, what is this one about? So uh, w- before I say it, we should mention it's the Year of Prayer. Yeah. So providentially, um, but this book is about how. So uh, I'll say how it came about. There are a lot of good books on on Lexio Divina and prayer. Um, Tim Gray's written a great one. There's a lot a lot of really excellent works on it. I couldn't find one. We were doing college ministry at the time when I when I wrote this. I couldn't find one that I knew if I handed it to someone, 
they would know exactly what to do the next morning, if you will. Right. Yes. So, so there's a lot of books that are kind of a little bit up here, an important exploration of the ideas, but not you know ground level practical that I could give it to a college student or anyone, mm. and they know it. So it's essentially uh, working to revive an ancient prayer practice called Lectio Divina, and coupling that with uh, Ignatian meditation and really bringing forth a rich approach to, to coming to know what, understand what it means to know Jesus, yes. right? And to, and to really um, come to love him, come to um, deepen our personal relationship with him. And so the book is, is an attempt to, is to do that. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, can't wait to un unpack that too. All available now um, at our website. But I, I thought today it would be great having both of you here. Um, and getting to know uh, both of you uh, personally now, uh, it, it's a wonderful story. It's, it's actually an amazing story to hear both of your individual testimonies. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we can, uh, we can do it justice, but Stephanie, can I start with you just very quickly? Um, okay. a, a bit of a, a brief background on how you came into uh, appreciation of your faith, the Catholic faith. But you shared a little bit in the, um, in, in the uh, marriage retreat, which I was able to participate in. And it, it was very moving to see how God worked in your life. Um, and, and your upbringing, your background, and how God can take you from your experience and, and, and do with you what he's been doing. And yeah. this has been so grace-filled. So could you, I don't know what we can do in, in a few minutes here, but okay. a bit of a background. Yeah. yeah, I'll see if I can kind of condense it a little bit because um, there's just so much there. Yeah. And <laughs> e even looking back on it, you know, I just see providence. I see the Lord moving, you know, layer after layer. Um, I was um, I was born Catholic, you know, uh, to an agnostic father and a Catholic mother, um, and he he really desired to kind of just wait till I got older to make the decision myself. Mm -hmm. But praise be to God, my mother actually uh, baptized me when he was out of town in secret. Oh, yeah. In secret, wow. so it's a little bit of this, uh, you know, it has a little mystery to it, you know. <laughs> She's a woman of fire. Um, uh, she's Latin, um, Costa Rican. My father's American. Um, God rest his soul. And so I, I, I uh, you know, through, uh, through many of the trials that I think is just so prevalent in our society today, you know, divorce, woundedness, um, uh, brokenness, um, abuse, you know, a, a lot of the things that I experienced growing up, um, I. I would have moments of light that would break through where, looking back, I, now I know that mm -hmm. the Lord was calling me. I think one of the most profound ones um, that is, is just, uh, has just really shaped me and, and given me just a real sense of, of God's presence and calling in my life was that my grandparents, my Costa Rican grandparents, they actually had a chapel in the middle of their house when they built their wow. home. It was a very large home. They had 13 children. And um, they had built a chapel in the, in the very center of their home. And my grandfather, at the end of the night, he'd send us all to bed. And, um, you know, when, when I was visiting there, and I, could, I would hear him call to his wife. And he'd say, Linda, it's time to pray. And so they'd go off and they'd go into the chapel and it has terracotta floors and um, wood doors. And so the sound of them praying would resonate in the, in the house. And I would hear it as a child, as a little girl. And 
you know, my inquisitive mind and just my love for my grandparents and this draw to prayer mm -hmm. was calling me. And so I'd get up and I'd, I'd go and I'd look into the chapel. My grandmother would catch my eye and she'd call me in and she would put me in between the two of them as my grandfather was reciting the rosary and she was dutifully doing the responses. And um, years later, you know, I, uh, when she passed, my mother called and she said, is there anything of Abuela's that you want? And out of my mouth, even before my reversion, I said, I want her veil. I want okay. her veil. Mm -hmm. And I realized years later when I actually started veiling that the Lord knew back then that he was planting the seeds, planting the seeds when I was praying between my grandparents, you know, as a little girl, planting the seeds when he said, ask for your as for her veil. I didn't even know what I, why I was asking it, but it just was such a precious treasure to me. And I, I wanted it. And then looking forward to really once I met Dan and, and coming to my end, um, but later knowing, coming to know Dan and learning how to pray, just this beauty and this richness that the Lord has in the fullness of the faith that most of us don't know is there Mm -hmm. And, um, I, you know, I used to think that my, my, con my conception of the faith and the church and all of that was about the size of a pebble. And when I came to my reversion, started praying and started encountering the Lord in deeper prayer, I realized that in, in reality, it's like standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon in its width and depth and richness and beauty and that it just goes on and on and on. And so I'm just so grateful um, to have learned prayer to be united uh, to my beloved spouse. Um, uh, that's a long story in and of <laughs> itself, um, but to share in this uh, mission that the Lord's given us that we never dreamed, we didn't plan on it, we find ourselves doing this to share with others our love for the Lord and uh, this call to a richer, deeper life in Him. Yeah, praise yeah. God. Well, yeah. it's, it's beautiful that you can, you can have those memories as a young girl and how you can link back, with, you know, how it's impacted you as an adult um, and the importance of, of, I guess, grandparents, parents, what we set uh, to our children and yes. what that does long term. Yeah. Uh, very, very interesting. Now, is, uh, is there anywhere, if we haven't got time today, but people want to know more about the full story, is it available somewhere we can point people to? I just want them to really yeah. learn well, a bit I, more about your background. You recorded it. Yeah, so, okay, the marriage, well, that's coming out. <laughs> yeah. That's coming out. So, yeah. all right. We are working yes. on a book. We yeah. are, yes. You're work, you're yeah, we are working on a book. On a book. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. It'll Excellent. have Dan's story, my story, and then our coming together, and then what the Lord did Excellent. from there. So Praise um, God. Yeah, praise God. So pray for that uh, mm -hmm. yeah. project, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Dan, can we start with you? You're a Jewish convert. Yeah. Um, so I, I completely forgot about that part of it, and I remember now you are. You, that full story is on the journey home. Yeah. On EWTN. Um, but tell us a bit about yeah your background and how you ended up uh, coming into the church, but then taking your faith. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in a very difficult environment at home, not safe for children or adults, and. It included uh, violence and uh, occult practices and, and things like that. 
Um, I was also a, a sick. I've suffered with life-threatening illness my, my entire life, including now. So it was the combination of those two. My, I was thinking, what a glorious thing. Her early memories are prayer. My early memories are needles in a hospital bed. You know, my earliest memories. Um, but uh, anyway, the, it, 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 in the end, it brought me to despair by the time I was uh, in my late teens and, uh, and really had a kind of a moment where I thought, if this suffering, if there's no reason for suffering, then there's no reason to keep moving, keep going. Mm -hmm. So by God's grace, um, he, the Holy Spirit prompted me. I mean, I, don't, I didn't know what it was then, but just uh, if I could retrospectively say what the voice said was, you've seen the darkness, you've like lived it, you know spiritual realities are real, you've seen the worst of things. Um, look there and, and you'll find me, you know, you're in the spiritual realm anyway. Mm -hmm. So, so um, you know, Ju the Judaism of my home was uh, Reformed Judaism, which is kind of cultural Judaism. Okay. So not not really spiritual, but kind of a, just to go to synagogue. And it was it is my identity. It still is. I'm a Hebrew Catholic. I I, I, I think like a Jew uh, in many ways, um, but a converted one that believes in the Messiah. You know, which changes right. a lot of yes. things. Of course, <laughs> Jesus is the Messiah. So. Um, so once I cried out to God and just said, "Look, you, I either need a reason or I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna leave the world," um, uh, He started to send people my way, and uh, just beautiful encounters with Christians uh, who who dealt with my incredibly difficult uh, demeanor. Coming out, I was a very angry young man because of coming out of all that suffering, and so I wasn't fun to be around or fun to witness to. But beautiful people just uh, loved me more than the, their love overcame the caustic nature of what it meant to try to bring me to God. Mm. And so thank God they endured and there was a series of them and, and eventually ended up uh, in a Southern Baptist church in Covina, California and, and, and bending my knee to to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, as best I understood him at that time. It took me a long time to become Catholic because because uh, I became a Christian around uh, uh, the age of 20. Um, and then it took, you know, decades after that because my stepfather was very violent. He was the first Catholic I ever met. Okay. And he fired a gun in our home and beat my mother and terrorized the children. Um, fired, fired a gun in our home and at a car in our driveway another, another time. But um, so I was very anti-Catholic because of him and then the Baptists that I hung out with were very anti-Catholic. So though they blessed me in helping me to understand who Jesus was, their, their identity was pretty negative. It's like I, yeah. it's more about what they weren't <laughs> than what they were. But eventually I began, I stumbled across the Apostolic Fathers, the writings of Apostolic Fathers stumbled into Catholic mystical tradition, those two things really uh, started to answer questions for me that didn't make sense. You know, I'm, 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 I came to faith based on the truth. Uh, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. You know, yes. I love Pope Benedict's comment that the truth is a person. Um, and so truth is so important to me that it doesn't matter to me where it leads. If, if, if it's true, we should conform to it. 
And so as I started studying uh, back into church history, you know, I was just confronted with a very different view of the church than my Southern Baptist friends were presenting to me and recognized that uh, the credibility of the apostles and their disciples might be have a little heavier weight than um, the, the, these good folks, you know, 2,000 years later who sort of divorced themselves from all of that. Um, and so I just uh, eventually came to the conclusion that the Catholic Church was the one true faith, the church that Jesus founded, and whether I liked it or not, I had to submit, you know, really that was it. Because I told my, you know, so I was in between there, just a brief diversion, I was uh, wrestling with, I came to believe in apostolic succession. And then, but there was no way I was going to be Catholic. So I looked at the the Orthodox (laughs) East, and then I stumbled into the Anglicans, and I was, a, uh, if it, uh, I can translate these terms, but I was a, a Calvinist, okay. soteriologically and ecclesiologically, basically ang- uh, Catholic. And the one historic group that married those two was historic Anglicanism. So I, I had a brief foray, that, foray there. Mm-hmm. I ended up in seminary, caller and a Catholic. Oh, yeah. in, a, in a high Anglican seminary, mm-hmm. but all my texts were Catholic books because it was Anglo-Catholic. It was very Catholic. So about a year in, I just thought, why? what am I doing? So I started to attend the RCIA secretly while I was in seminary. Wow. And a local parish? At a, at a local parish, yeah. And it turns out my, my exploration of Catholic mystical tradition was primary Carmelite. So I show up at this parish, enter RCIA secretly by myself, no sponsor. The head of the program was a Carmelite, and we just clicked immediately. Um, and we're talking about Teresa of Avila and all of that. So, so um, uh, fast forward, uh, pretty fast actually. Um, and, and there's a long story behind this, and it has to do with Archbishop Shapu in Denver and all of this. But I ended up, um, I ended up uh, in a in July of 2005, in the back of a, that parish, that Catholic parish, and everyone's going forward to receive, and it's driving me nuts because I want to receive the Lord, because I believed. And so I called the head of the program, the RCIA program, I said, look, I'm cooked. I've, I've argued against the cast. I've taught against the cast. I know the flip side of the doctrine now. I don't, I said, I don't, uh, I thought I understood Catholic soteriology, which answers the question, how are we saved, essentially. Mm-hmm. So I thought I understood that. I don't. I'm admitting that. Um, the Mary thing drives me crazy. I said, but one thing I do know, this is his church. And if you will let me in now, <laughs> I will submit, and I will learn Catholic soteriology, and I will, and, and I will totally submit to it. All the teachings of the church, I will submit, because it is God's church. Jesus Church, and she said, "Well, let me call you back." And there was this conversation that went to the diocese, and uh, for various reasons, uh, Archbishop Shapu knew who I was at the time, but that's another story. So, um, so anyway, she called me. She said, "Come back, she, yeah, come next Saturday," and I said, "Okay, you know, don't have a sponsor. We got it taken care of. We'll receive you and confirm you next Saturday." So the Saturday I showed up was the Feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Oh, but I didn't even know it was a feast day. And I, was, I had no Marian inclinations at all at the time. It was, it was bothersome to me. So 
Um, so I was received and confirmed in 2005 in the Feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, which is prophetic, of course. Praise God. There yeah. you go. And what's that feast for those who don't know it? When's the, the feast day? Uh, July 6th. July 6th. Yeah. Like that. 16th. 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 July 16th. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? Yes. Anyway, it's, it's, July it's around 16th. there. I should yeah. know it. But, <laughs> I, you know, you've been running us so ragged. I'm, so, my mind is, I'm blaming you. That's right. So if the date's wrong, don't, yeah, don't write right. Charbel. Yeah. Right. We can correct that, Miguel. He's pretty yeah, he can put yeah, a, good. He can put a little flash in front of Dan. <laughs> Sleep <laughs> deprived. It was this date. Right. <laughs> Stephanie, um, it, I learned how you two met, and uh, <laughs> oh Lord, um, have mercy! <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's 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 just a, I, it's a beautiful um, way. You know, many people may not uh, can write things off. You know, we we, we sort of say, no, I'm going to meet my my spouse this way, this way, this way. We have an imagination how we're going to meet them, where we're going to meet them, but you know, uh, you you tried something different. Yes, and, we did. Uh, and both of you did. And you discovered each other online. Yes. So can you tell us a bit about how that happened? Okay. Um, yeah, it took me years to get up the courage to even speak about this. And the only reason that I ended up starting to speak about it is um, the power of testimony, you yes. know, yeah. the, the power of tes testifying to how God works in our lives and how he's constantly calling his people if we will just listen, you yes. know, and pay attention to what's going on. It's always helpful to kind of look back and see, you know, like I did, um, realizing how the Lord had been calling me. But um, I, Dan and I are the Brady Bunch, and um, I lived in Texas at the time. Dan was in Colorado. I had no, I, I didn't know him um, at all, and uh, I found myself divorced with two children. And no, I, I truly believe that nobody plans on being divorced. Um, no, you don't I, go into you don't a, go into a marriage, a marriage thinking, saying, yeah, is, yeah. yeah uh, you know, if it doesn't work out or whatever. Um, I was heartbroken. I was shattered, um, deeply troubled, uh, very broken. Um, I hadn't really dealt with any of my childhood wounds, having been abused as as a as a very young child by a neighbor. You know. All of that kind of tragedy and brokenness mm. in my life had not been dealt with. And so then I find myself um, after 13 years and with two beautiful children alone and divorced and really in the grips of despair. So um, one evening I, I go up to um, I go up to church. I just have this. So I'm alone. I'm broken and I'm just like, I got to go to church. I don't know why, but I had this call. So I go up and it's dark. It's 10 o'clock at night. I'm just hoping like I can get in. I don't even really know what I'm going to do when I get there. Because at that point, I would have told you I was Catholic, but I was mm -hmm. strictly culturally Catholic. And, and so I went and came around to kind of a gym area. I see a woman cleaning the floors. I knock on the door. She comes over, and I guess, you know, I'm a woman. She's a woman. She figures I'm not a murderer. Uh, so, and I'm bilingual, so I was able to speak to her at that moment. And she and I have a little bit of an exchange, and she lets me in. And I told her I was, you know, a parishioner there. And she lets me in, and I kind of wander back. And I have this curiosity. There's this room that's behind the altar that has these beautiful doors. And I wanted to see, like, 
I felt the call to go back there. Mm. Like that's where I knew I was supposed to go. So I go around through the dark, you know, there's accent lighting and I go to that little room through those doors and I sit in one of the pews and I look at the gold box that's in that room and I'm just staring at it and I, but I'm in pain staring at it and I feel the need to go prostrate myself. I have never seen an ordination at that point. I didn't know what that was. I didn't even understand the significance of it. I just knew I needed to lay down in front of that gold box on my face. And so I stepped out of the pew and I laid down and I began to weep. And, and I really just, just cried. And it, it felt as if all of my life, all of the brokenness, the abuse as a child, um, my parents' divorce, you know, all the trauma that all that that was involved with that, my own divorce, and and really the mess of my life, mm -hmm. and the pain of it, especially the pain that I felt like I was doing damage to my children, um, was just really pouring forth. And uh, I liken it to a, like an alabaster jar. I was breaking an alabaster jar um, in the front of that gold box. And I, when my tears stopped, I leaned up and I looked at the gold box and I said out loud, I've heard that you're there. If that's true, take over my life and I will do whatever you ask of me. There was no booming voice no one said, it's going to be okay, nothing like that. Just kind of got up and cleaned myself off. Two weeks later, you know, at that time they had the eHarmony. Um, advertisements were everywhere and I kept just seeing them. Every time I opened my computer, it was, you know, scrolling across my screen. And the idea, this just quiet little idea came in. I wonder if there's a Catholic eHarmony because, uh, you know, my marriage had been annulled. It, it wasn't a, a valid sacramental marriage. Okay. Um, my children's father was not a Catholic. That's a good point here, just it, for those who don't understand the difference. Yeah. Divorce and annulment. Right. Uh, when, when we say, we can say divorce legally. Um, right. But in the Catholic Church, we know, uh, we don't understand. Divorce is not a thing. Uh, right. it, so the annulment means that there was no Catholic, there was no marriage that took place in the beginning. Yeah, right. It's not sacramental. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so, um, so that allowed me the freedom to move forward. And, and mind you, I didn't even know. I didn't even have a concept of annulments. I didn't know mm. any of this. It was actually a choir director that came up to me and kind of noticed that I was alone, asked what had happened. I explained it. And he, and he said, you need to file for an annulment. You're going to want it to, to, to find out if my, yeah. my uh, first marriage had been valid. I mean, I, you know, to this day, I can't even remember the person's name. It was a one-off conversation that was like, do this. I went and did the research. I called, did that. Um, it, and I have to say, for those who struggle with the idea of annulment, it was the most healing process for me mm -hmm. because in all those questions and me processing, where did I come from? What happened? All the different steps. It actually healed me in a real sense of gave me some perspective of 
it, it wasn't all him, it wasn't all me. We were very, very broken individuals. And it, it, it was actually a relief looking back to say, that wasn't valid, that wasn't free, um, that wasn't holy, mm -hmm. and no wonder it didn't bear fruit, proper fruit, right? Um, so it was a healing process for me. So fast forward, you know, uh, I um, get this idea and I'm thinking, I'm Catholic, I've made this prayer, I need to be united uh, with a Catholic. I just knew it at the core of my being that I was called to true marriage, a real marriage, and that it needed to be centered on Christ. Um, but I really wasn't quite sure what that meant, but it was just this kind of theme, this thread of a theme. And so I, I thought, maybe there's a Catholic eHarmony. And I literally Googled it, and up came Catholic Match. I remember being shocked. I didn't know it, was, it existed. And I thought, oh, it's real. There is something here. Is that still available at the moment? Oh, yeah. So yeah. Catholic yeah. Match. Oh, they're, going, they're going strong. And, okay. and I actually meet people all the time that go, I met on Catholic Match, too. <laughs> it's really cute. You know, we're all, we're all kind of embarrassed to admit it. Um, but I, I put my, my profile on there and, um, you know, was terrified. Just like, I don't know what this is. I don't know where I'm going. But... I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to do this and had all the tenets of the church. And that's a whole nother story. So I had to talk about, you know, the parts of the church that um, that I agreed with, those that I didn't uh, profile about myself and all those things. And you still have all those disagreements. right? Yeah, no, no, no. I've come to, to the fullness of understanding truly and following 100 percent of the church. But, you know, I had really bad catechesis growing up. And um, so I placed myself on there and stood back and held my breath. And, and then uh, this man named Dan Burke reached out. And um, I don't know, I, you know, maybe you want to talk about your story. story. Well, yeah. so I was in seminary when I converted, so I had to, I had to talk to my bishop. And, but uh, when I came to the church, I was single. I had already gone through uh, something similar, but my it was easier for me. Mine was... So you, you, you also had a, a, mar a marriage. marriage. Yeah, but it was um, uh, to a fallen away Catholic outside of a Catholic context. So it was, it was, it was in, invalid on its face. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't require much there to deal with. And a couple of kids in that relationship. Two, two, so, two boys, yeah. That's the, that's the Brady Bunch. Uh, that's yeah, the Brady, Brady Bunch. Um, he had two, I yeah. had two, yeah. Yeah, so I was just, so I'm in seminary, became Catholic told my bishop, uh, the Anglican bishop anyway. And uh, then I, for about six months, was discerning uh, the priesthood in the Catholic Church or monastic life very much appealed to me. Mm. And, uh, but uh, through that process, pretty quickly determined I was called to be married, but like truly married. You know, Jesus at the center. Mm. Uh, the prior situation had um, uh, just a replay of alcoholism and abuse. Mm. And, and difficult things in it um, that were caused my kids to suffer quite dramatically. So I wanted to, if, so if I'm gonna get married, I'm going to, um, it, Jesus has to be at the center. There's no, I, I can't be in one with someone unless they're there. Yeah. Their yes is there. So 
I'm in my, I don't know, some of my 40s then, but uh, I was an executive for a, with a global organization, pretty significant responsibilities, and I had no time to. But I'm, I'm wired as such as, you know, a lot of people say, well, I'm discerning the priesthood, I'm discerning religious, I'm discerning married life, and they sort of sit around as if God's going to drop someone out of the sky, and it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. So uh, I had the strong instinct that if you're called to do it, you go after it, whatever it is. It, it, has, to, it has to do with God in particular. Whatever you're supposed to do, run, and so that's just my disposition. So I, I, it was just an efficient way. Of, I thought, well, this is this will work, you know, I, it, and it has all the teachings of the church, and I believe all those, and I don't have to mess with guessing and meeting people and wondering, and then wading through all that and all the mess of that, you know. So, so to me, it was a very, and it also harkened back to like an old time matchmaking thing. Mm -hmm. There's something, you know, people look at it and think it's it can feel a little funny, but the, one of the powerful things about it was. We corresponded first in writing, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. like like you would have two families who were devoutly Catholic with kids, and they they think, well, we should match these mm -hmm. two up. Let's get them writing letters, and then they'll meet someday. But it removes a lot of the temptation, and, and it mm -hmm. you really actually get to know the person in a very powerful way. So um, so, but I did think it was goofy uh, in some ways. Uh, the you know. Putting a profile on that sort of system is like selling yourself, which kind of irritated me. So I'll let her finish the story <laughs> on that one. So, so he pops up and says, "You know, you know, would you be willing to talk to me?" And so I'm looking at him, and he's got a picture, and he's got his two kids in his picture. So he comes as a package. Mm -hmm. I had my picture with my two kids, so I, you know, so mm -hmm. he knew I came as a package. So I thought, well, that that's good. Both of us are upfront and honest, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and and then I read his profile, uh, his description, and you know, Dan has a very creative mind, so he had written his his um, his little bio as a female reporter, so it's written in third person as a female reporter that's interviewing him as to why would anybody want to date you or get <laughs> to know you, and through the interview, she starts to flirt with him. And I'm, I'm reading this, and I'm laughing so hard I'm crying. Like, the tears are running down my face. And I thought, I don't remember the last time I laughed like that. It just really, you know, it was really very moving. And I thought, you know, I don't know if anything's going to come of this, but I would really like to get to know him, mm -hmm. to know him. You know, and he was in a, a two states away, so I thought, oh, that makes it safe. Nothing's going to happen. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, he's a thousand miles away. No problem. Um, of course, I'll talk to you, you know. And so we started this dialogue. But the first thing he asked me to do was to pray with him. And, and so everything was about prayer and uh, reading this book, reading that book, all faith-based. And he was being very purposeful and to, you know, to have dialogue with mm -hmm. me, all faith-based. And he knew nothing about my promise to the Lord, that if he took over my life, I'd do whatever he asked. So if it had to do with prayer and the faith, it was always yes. Mm -hmm. And then on his side, you know, I'll let him talk about the bench. You know, oh, well, his... you know what? We should save that for the we should. marriage retreat. Okay, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll save that okay. for the marriage retreat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in that, um, so fast forward, uh, we got to know one another um, 
after a long time courting, um, not all that long, but long enough, uh, we met actually at a shrine. It's called the Lords of the Americas. It's in Chimayo, New Mexico. Okay. And it was halfway in between the what? two of us. So we met. So, we, so, we, so you were in different states. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so you had this sort of long-term uh, relationship, uh, yeah. long-distance relationship. Yeah. Um, and you finally met. So did you say Mexico? It knows Chimayo, New Mexico. New Mexico. Yeah, so it's right state. in okay. the middle. Okay. Um, so it's upper New Mexico, and he was up in Colorado. I was okay. down in Texas. Okay. And so it was kind of a midway point, and it wasn't too far from my parents because I was going to go visit them. And um, we just met. He booked two rooms. Um, we would just wander around. We'd eat meals together. We'd go see the miraculous but what was staircase. The first thing we did together. The uh, first thing we did together was pray. In the chapel. In the yeah. chapel there. Beautiful. So we met on the grounds and we walked in and we knelt and we prayed together first. And um, and then we got to know one another. And I knew I was in trouble when we, when we went our separate ways because I thought, Lord, have mercy. I'm in love with him, wow. you know, because I thought I'm, I know, I already know I like him. And I, I love his mind and all that, but then I realized there's something so much more here and that this is a real call, and um, which meant it was gonna be very disruptive, you know, <laughs> because I lived in another state and we both had children. And it was really the beginning of um, a deep purgation for both of us because we didn't go into it lightly we knew that this was going to be it. There was only one real marriage. One real marriage. Yes, we were courting. Yeah. We were preparing. We were uh, under the care of, of priests, all of that. This was, we were going to do this right because we knew all the things that we had done wrong in the past. And also our family lines. We, yeah, each, our, each, my parents had three divorces and her parents had No, I, three. Yeah, my mother yeah. was my father's fourth. Um, and then... You know, yeah, so it was just devastating, the line of divorce and brokenness and all of that. And, and so we had to take it very seriously. And, and then we had the added um, just understanding that um, we had both contributed to the brokenness of, you know, and the woundedness of our children. And we needed to do this right. We needed mm -hmm. to make reparation and do this right to the to the Lord for each other and for our, our children and, and their uh, children and their children and their children's children who are adults now. So your who, children yeah. are adults and yeah. and and you are you grandparents now? We are. Yes. We have yeah. one one baby girl. Wow. Um, wow. So yeah, there's just so much at stake, and when you know, the weight is just all the all the greater. But it really started this period of deep purgation. We were both mm. a spiritual director, both were spiritual directors. Um, praying, uh, learning mental prayer, learning uh, the way of discernment and walking with the church and really being very purposeful of just trying to purge all of our brokenness in cooperation with the Lord, you know, a deep understanding of what is sin. Uh, how did I get in this place in the first place? What did, you know, what did I do to contribute to this? What is the Lord asking of me? What is holiness? What does that look like? What does prayer look like? And and just really gave our all in chasing after that while we're that raising. That is powerful. Everything yeah, yeah. you said there, is any, 
because that's a, a block for many people who don't want to admit that they're in sin or admit that they're in uh, they're, yeah. they're going down the wrong path. But, but the first step to healing is, is that very thing. It really and, is. And, and, and just hearing both and how joyful you are together, um, you guys are definitely at peace. You are definitely um, free. Mm. But it didn't. It, but with your backgrounds, you had to go through this purging, and yeah. um, that's powerful. I just uh, yeah. want to highlight that, and, and uh, by you admit, wanting to do that, willfully doing that, the freedom you, you're experiencing now afterwards. Oh yeah, you know, I I often say is God won't save you without you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Thomas Aquinas says that the most powerful act we can we can do is an act of the will. So when we choose to follow God, when we choose to say, you know, you're God, I'm not. I've obviously made a mess of things. I'm obviously suffering. People I love are suffering because of my actions or the actions of my generational line, my family background, whatever it is. Lord, you have a better plan. I don't understand it, but help me get there. And in making that choice, which was was my alabaster jar moment it started with that moment mm-hmm. of just saying i can't do this i need you to take over and i'll follow you he meets us in that and then just starts opening doors and pouring out graces and then you just start paying attention and when he moves you follow if it's of the lord you follow and it's not a minor thing i mean like i said when we came together we never dreamed that the ministry would be born. We would never. We never dreamed of all the different ministries that that we do and and what we do together and separately. And um, we were just wanting to survive and be Catholic. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> I thought we were just going to survive. We were just going to survive and be Catholic and hold on for dear life. And um, the Lord has just so much more for us yeah. if we will lean in. Yeah. If we'll lean in. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, how beautiful. So, where did you? Um, what which state did you get married in? Colorado. Yeah. Colorado. Yeah. yeah. Did you make the move, or who yes. made the she move? She made the okay. move. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And I, uh, I gave her a promise ring in the Adoration Chapel of the wow. church where I was converted mm-hmm. from, wow. and then uh, uh, we were married later on in Colorado Springs. Seven seven of oh seven. Wow. You Never planned. That. I mean, it's like <laughs> you can't even make it out, but uh, that was the only date that was available. <laughs> so that's when we got married. And um, anyway, that's beautiful. It's, just been... it's been easy ever since. It's been easy ever since. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that it's easy, but it's no, tough. No, it's tough. He's being facetious, yeah. <laughs> but it's been beautiful. Um, I have a, a friend, a directee, who says, you know, when things are both brutal and beautiful, she says it's brutal. So it's been brutal. <laughs> can, can I ask uh, just on um, just many people may find themselves in a similar situation. Yeah. Um, and, and there's no there's no secret out there that uh, even among Catholics, um, you know, many marriages are ending in divorce. And mm-hmm. is it two to one at the moment? One in two, or I think it's even starting to get even more than that. We need we need a real good catechesis, a real good um, explanation of what true marriage is. Yes, you guys are living that out now. Uh, seventeen is it? Are we up to seventeen years? Yeah, just working it out now. Yeah. Um, and we need to see models of this, uh, yeah. uh, and more and more. And it's like we're playing catch up in today's world, where we don't even know what what love is, uh, what family mm-hmm. is, what it looks like. Uh, for those who are wanting to um, find love, find 
find their their, their spouse, um, and and maybe they've got also children. Um, how did you do that? Uh, you know, parenting, um, bringing up, forming your own family now, the Brady Bunch, mm-hmm. um, and then you know as adults where you've got your ways as well right so you've got to deal with all that you've got to learn it's a lot harder when if you were younger you're growing together as an adult it's a bit different isn't it so you've got to now um i guess learn each other's weaknesses and how do you deal with that how how was that for you as adults especially in your 40s as you were saying so yeah i mean it's a hard question to answer at a micro level Mm. at a macro level it's fundamentally giving a complete yes to god and the church and the teachings of the the faith is okay so what what healed us and gave us all that we have why we made it through and i will say to divorce statistics because i used to work for the largest um, family ministry in the world focused on the family and i headed up a research department at one time and it's a, it's a myth that if you have 100 people in a room and you say have 50 stand up, that, that that's who, what's going to happen with divorce. Most the statistics are skewed with serial divorcees, meaning mm. the, the numbers are skewed because people get married and divorced over and over. The same Interesting. people. Interesting. Okay. So it's not, a, it's not a 50-50 thing. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I knew that because I... I, I, I ran the research department, and um, and I, but I, my confidence was in the Lord and in the teachings of the Catholic Church, and so we set out to live as authentic disciples of Jesus, with a passion, which means that He is our focal point. Mm-hmm. He defines who she is. He defines who I am, and we submit to that reality, and then we run after Him, and it's inevitable. And I and I. I, I, I believe this with the, every fiber of my being. It is impossible to have two people running after Jesus and fail to get grow closer to one another. It's impossible mm-hmm. if you're truly authentic disciples. So I would say at the, at the macro level, it's about being an authentic disciple of Jesus, conforming yourself to all the teachings of the church without reservation, without hesitation, um, with abandonment, a mm-hmm. reckless even abandonment, whatever it cost. Mm-hmm. And then as we're doing that, fighting through the challenges of just conforming yourself to God. And when you fall and you fail, and how do you deal with that with one another? But but the church has all of those answers. Mm-hmm. You know, we have reconciliation, we have, you know, the call to love and to be self sacrificing to the point of death if need be. You know, Ephesians five says that my job is to get her to heaven and to present her spotless before him. I have this picture of me in the end saying, I did my best, Jesus, you know, <laughs> right? Which, which is the imagery kind of in, the, in Ephesians. And to cherish her and to, get, and to love her and to make her my number one priority aside from God. You know, the Lord is my first and I must love him more than her. And then she, there's nobody else more important than her in my relationship with her in life. And then so figuring out how to live in that reality, stumbling, fumbling, but always toward him. Mm-hmm. So we're yes. always stumbling and fumbling toward heaven in the context of all the, the mercies and grace of the church, which heals all, yeah. heals everything, every wound. He didn't come to 
He, di he didn't say, I've come that, you know, uh, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and I've come that you'd have a mediocre life, barely make it slide in bloody, and have, you know, n no real success. He said, I've come, he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you might have life, and that in abundance. Right. Right. When you share in that abundance of life, when you live in the divine economy of this glorious church that we are part of, he heals all, everything. Mm -hmm. And so that's the process. You know, that's the, I don't know how to answer it. You know, yeah. there's good books and there's, yeah. you know, uh, good books that we promote and we have the marriage, divine intimacy and marriage retreats and there's, yes. you know, a Bob Schutz and the JP2 Healing Center and there's, you know, a lot of wonderful things going on in the church that you can avail yourself to. Uh, a new book we we uh, promoted and brought into print called God's Plan for Your Marriage by Father Altier. You know all of these wonderful resources, but in the end, the the fundamental reality is for a couple to thrive together, or even for hope for an unequally yoked marriage, one or both has to say, "I'm all in for Jesus, no matter what it costs." Right. Because and that's the answer, and I'm going to keep my eyes on Him and run after Him, no matter how bloody I get no matter how hard it is, and he will give me what I need. Yeah. And that, I, you know, I don't know how Beautiful. to answer it otherwise. Yeah, no, I think that's beautifully stated. And um, it's, it's interesting, um, he mentioned our ministry and divine intimacy uh, in marriage. You know, we have divine intimacy in radio, where we talk about all these matters. We talk yes. about the interior life and all of that. But um, th this process of living this life where we talk, we, we talk about uh, how we used to fight towards one another because it's, it's this idea of I'm not going to run. Uh, I'm not going to abandon. Uh, I may be struggling, but I'm always struggling towards God and towards you to come into this oneness with one another, to figure it out. We're, whatever it takes, we're not letting go. Mm -hmm. and, and I did have that assurance with Dan, and that great gave me peace that I, even if I knew it was ugly and difficult at the time, because I'm, like I'm saying, we were two very broken individuals that were coming from very bo broken backgrounds, um, which I, I, so, which I actually think God knew what he was doing because he mm -hmm. knew he was going to restore us mm -hmm. and that we could then testify to what's happening in the culture now, to the couples that are suffering now, and to give them hope that listen, if the Lord can heal us, mm -hmm. he can heal anybody. Yeah, he found you us know. at the bottom of the barrel right. and <laughs> brought us out. If he can do that, yeah, yeah. You know, anyone can escape. He tends to do that um, time and time again with individuals. He's good at it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's kind of, yeah, yeah. he's kind of an expert at, at redeeming prostitutes <laughs> and yeah. sinners and right. tax collectors and all of that. All Only of us. Only the one true God can do that. Only Amen. him. And he's still, you know, he's still healing his people. Yes. Yeah. He, yeah. he makes yeah. all things new. And, and so out of that process, you know, then we share that journey and share all that we know, all that we've done in order to come to this place of healing and yeah. oneness and in our marriage church. retreats and Amen. what the church teaches. Um, and it's been nothing less than profound. Like the fruit of it is amazing. It's yes. not about me and Dan. It's about the Lord and what he can do. Um, if we'll just give ourselves over to him. Yeah, Beautiful. just if people, we, we just want to teach people how to run after him. Yeah. And, yeah. and our retreat's actually based very much in the Catholic mystical tradition, which is very different than typical marriage. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. we've never been to a marriage retreat. We've ne actually never been to anybody's marriage retreat. This came out of prayer 
and talking and at the behest of um, our dear friend, uh, a mother superior, Mother Louise Marie. Mother Louise Marie, and she said, "You're gonna, you're gonna write a marriage retreat." And I said, "One day, Mom." <laughs> you know, and she goes, "No, you're gonna, you're gonna do it." And I said, "You know, I think it's a good idea. I'm starting to hear the call, but you know, we'll do it one day." And she goes, "No, you'll do it now. You'll do it. You know, and this fall. Here's the fall. date, and you're, doing the it date the and you're gonna do it here at the convent." Well, and so powerful. she really catapulted us into it, and God be praised because. Um, I'm so impassioned about yeah. it and the healing of marriage. So, well, to, as someone who has been on a couple of different marriage retreats uh, and then experiencing yours, which um, will be available very soon, we hope um, that that I love that it, it's it's deeply rooted in in the mystical tradition, in the prayer, the focus. You know, you're drawing in from the different thing. You've got the love languages in there. You've mm. got the practical side. You've got your backgrounds, you, and you're owning that. And you've got how God has healed you. If I could just give one takeaway here for people, I loved in there, you, you did a focus on the priorities. So sometimes we get this a bit skewed today, you know. Mm -hmm. We're in a world where we say, I'm the priority, me, myself, and I. If you had that in a, in a marriage, that's going to fail right away. Yeah. So obviously it's the other person. Mm -hmm. But but you don't stop there. You don't, some people maybe get it wrong where they say the children are the priority. And that's also, right. if you had a package deal, you get me, you get the kids. So there's a, there's also the temptation to say, well, they're my life. Mm -hmm. So that meaning you're second to them. Mm -hmm. Right. So that, okay, we're well, another danger. But but you even go beyond that. You say, no, no, God is number one. Yeah. So can you just go through this bit of almost, is mm -hmm. it a hierarchy you call it or, 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 or a, the importance of who to love? You said this beautifully. Yeah. In the, the divine intimacy yeah. secret. Could you tell yeah. us that? Sure. Is that okay to give yeah, yeah. <laughs> the secrets now? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll give Beautiful. you... I, I'll give you how that kind of came about. And um, so I, I had a, a tremendous moment of conversion, um, actually through a heal, an, an illness that Dan had. I was working, um, you know, I, I, was, I was doing all a lot of things, right? Yes. I was a, a wife, I was a mother, I was a Catholic school principal at the time. Wow. Um, I was helping Dan with the ministry. You know, so we had all these kind of things going on, but Dan got very, very sick. And and one of the things that the Lord revealed to me, I, I received a word, and it was, that's not your vocation. Because I was trying- Being a principal to, was not your vocation. Well, all I heard was, that's not your vocation. Because Dan had been inviting me to kind of join him in the ministry. And I was having a hard time letting go of the principalship because I felt a responsibility to the families and the children yeah. there. So this is to your point of yes. priorities, right? And so um, in that moment when I heard, that's not your vocation, because I kept saying to Dan, you know, I've been called to this, this is my vocation, mm -hmm. whatever. Um, I actually responded out loud. I was by myself in the kitchen. And I said, what do you mean that's not my vocation? And interiorly, I saw like principal, wife, mother, you know, all these different roles of who I yes. thought new to myself to be. And then they became rightly ordered. And I saw daughter of the king, mm -hmm. wife, mother, and then everything else. There it is. And in that moment, I went, oh, I've been living my life as if they're all equal. Mm. And the Lord said, no, 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 there's a hierarchy here. You are first a daughter of the king, then you're a wife, then you're a mother, then you're everything else, right? And and it, it just completely shifted. 
Well, then, we, as we were trying to create this, this marriage retreat, we understood that that needed to be conveyed as well. We yes. are all first children of God. That yes. is our first priority. After that, we're wives and husbands, so mm. the priority is in the marriage, then the children, then everything else. Everything Beautiful. else. Powerful. And if you get that right, yeah. and if you get right with the Lord in the spiritual aspect as individuals and then as a couple, He blesses, mm. He multiplies, um, He opens doors, He yes. closes doors that need to be closed, and it's just grace after grace because it's His design. Mm. And I think so often the struggle and the pain that we have is because we're living outside of God's will. Yeah. We're not living according to His will. And we're afraid that we're not going to like who we're going to become if we live as well. We're afraid that he's going to somehow squash all our desires and, and our passions and all this. He put those in us. He's going to refine them, perfect them, and have them properly ordered to what he created them to be. And that we will actually be so free. You know, there's a, I think it's a scripture verse that says um, God's, delight is man fully alive. Yeah. Oh, that was uh, actually an early uh, church father said that, yes. isn't it? Yeah, God's yeah. delight Beautiful. is man fully alive. Mm -hmm. And our deepest joy and freedom is being totally alive in the Lord, being totally who he called us to be, and letting go of all of the cultural um, flesh, the world, the devil's uh, deception of who we're called to be. That's not of God. Who we are in God is beautiful, and it is freedom. Yeah, it's true freedom and peace. And peace. I love yeah. it. Well, yeah. I just, I just uh, reemphasize this, and people who may get this confused, but you might think you're taking away from your love by loving these other things. But hang on. If you want to love your children more, love your spouse. Yeah, yes. yeah. Show them. That's the greatest thing you can do is by loving your spouse. Right. You want to love your spouse more, love God. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the greatest thing you do for your spouse. Yeah. Yeah. So, so by doing it in the right ordered way, your capacity to love just increases. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. that's the most loving thing to do. I'll tell you one beautiful. One of the most powerful things for me in, in this beautiful um, marriage that I have with Dan is that my heart is safe with Dan. And you know why? Like I can be totally free and totally given over to him because I'm safe. My heart is safe. My, not that he's perfect all the time, but it's safe because I know lo he loves God more than he loves me. Yeah. And I know that he holds true to the idea that he will be held responsible for how he treats me. And in that, boy, there's freedom in that yeah. because I know he believes it. And so in his pursuit of God and him pursuing becoming a man of God, then I can trust freely. I can be, you know... Truly open and receptive and loving and giving because everything that I have to give is falling on good soil. Love it. It's going to bear fruit, right? And it gives me a place of peace to rest. Powerful. Yeah. Now, Dan, Stephanie shared that she, she had a career, I mean, a principal, uh, and very important. And, yeah. and many of us do focus on a career. What was your career at the time of getting married? And then because you were in focus on the family for yeah. a while, mm -hmm. what did you do as a when you became Catholic? What was your what was your career early? So on? I was just in strategy development uh, at Focus on the Family, so I helped the whole organization kind of uh, uh, set its direction every year as to where what the emphasis was in strategic planning and all of that. 
um, I went to work when I became Catholic. I wanted to give myself to the church, but I waited a while, and then I was eventually recruited to be uh, to help the board of the National Catholic Register. And then I started to help them, and then they said, why don't you run this thing? <laughs> and I said, okay. And then that was acquired by EWTN in 2011, and I negotiated myself in the deal, and then I ended up being the president of EWTN News Global, so I oversaw all the offices all over the world eventually. So, uh, and, and that, uh, while that was happening, I had founded, um, for, just to make it easy, spiritualdirection.com was really the yeah. beginning uh, website dedicated to reproposing Catholic mystical tradition to the church. And then that grew into the Avila Institute, where now we uh, do priestly formation for 85 dioceses, one here in Melbourne, uh -huh. um, to prepare men for seminary. And then we do formation for priests who are already ordained, and the bishops appoint them as spiritual directors. And then we have um, uh, graduate studies in spiritual theology, and then uh, personal enrichment studies. So we're in, we do that form, we do that kind of formation for priests, religious laity in ninety countries. Wow. Um, we have a divine intimacy radio show for EWTN. Yes. Uh, that's and also in podcast weekly, right? That's that's it's every yeah, it's yes. every week. Yeah. Um, we have the divine intimacy and marriage retreats, and I've written. This whole stack of books, you know, it's all about everything we do is reproposing Catholic mystical tradition to the church. And then one thing that spawned out of that that's kind of unique, but it's become the heart, is the community of Apostoli VA. So that is a community where people who were participating in our apostolic work said, but how do you live? And can we live like that? Because it sure seems to be fruitful. Mm. And so the answer was maybe it was, a, it was actually probably the scariest thing that I've decided to do uh, to discern if it's God's will to cr create a Catholic community. Mm. And it's um, the, the mission of the Catholic community is to live the contemplative life, to light the way to others, and then to personally serve uh, those who are wanting to go deeper in their faith. So now we're, I don't even know how many countries we're in. We have a community here in Australia and Europe and, and Ireland and uh, Singapore. And, you know, it just has grown like crazy. We have about we have about 3,600 members in that wow, community. Wow. We have hundreds of thousands of uh, subscribers to spiritualdirection.com and millions of readers in every country of the world, except Antarctica. So we need to get a ca one Catholic <laughs> down there who's in a little, you know, under the, uh, the, the ice and scientist study. And then we'll have all of yeah. the countries of the world covered. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's, I mean, when Stephanie says, we never had any idea this would happen. It just started out with these little yeses, yes. and then God just pours, you know, His miracle grow on the thing, <laughs> and and it goes and it blows up. and And I came to a dilemma in, around 2019, which was, mm -hmm. I'm president of the largest Catholic news organization yeah. in the world, doing great work. I mean, yeah. we love EWTN, a great yeah. partner. Oh, this yeah. is this airs on uh, EWTN social platforms yeah. as well. So love, love and it. love Michael Warsaw and yes. just. It was a blessed time working mm -hmm. there. I didn't, actually th I didn't think I was going to leave, but the other stuff just kept growing. Uh, my health is uh, tenuous. It always has been, and it began to decline. I ended up getting COVID. It almost killed me. Uh, nine out of ten wow. people with my underlying condition died in the first wave of COVID, and I almost, uh, almost mm -hmm. lost my life there. And so it brought things to a head, and I just had to choose 
because my body and the Lord was saying, I, it, you, you've done well here, but it's time to finish your life uh, in the mission of the Avila Foundation and the community of Apostoli VA in a more direct way, serving people, uh, helping people to know what it means to be in relationship with God and know that transformational reality of what it happened, what happens when you encounter Him. Yeah, praise God. You know, so that's the summary of the kind Thank of. Thank you. That's, so that was happening in the back on the side of your career. That, uh, yeah. And that was just growing organically. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. now, now it's a global apostolate. Yeah. Very excited to announce there is it, that we are filming this in Australia. There is an Australian community. Yes. Uh, there is even a website, and we're going to put all the links. Um, yeah. The relevant links. Um, but for someone now watching and they want to get in touch, where do they start? It's a spiritual direction dot com. com. That's, the biggest, oh, that's yeah. the biggest. That's the biggest open door. We have okay. thousands and thousands of articles, Great. videos, uh, blogs. Um, our podcast. Our is podcast. There. At, yeah, uh, the events the is event. on that page. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's the it's the front door, and then Avila Institute, you know, dot com is the the school, but High Calling dot com is for the for priestly Very formation. Fantastic. So. But yeah, the, the front door is um, myhighcalling.com, I'm sorry, is the four guys who are discerning the priesthood. So if you're out there <laughs> and uh, you think you want to uh, explore that reality, go, go to myhighcalling.com and we, we've got great resources Beautiful. for them to help with uh, religious life or diocesan life. So yeah. I love yeah. in the apostolate and learning more and more about it, it is ultimately calling all Catholics to go entering into that relationship with God, union with God. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and really the key in that is prayer. Yeah. And many of us, and we're going to be bold here, we ask, do we actually pray? Mm -hmm. um, if, we, if we tick the box and do Sunday Mass, we think we pray. Or if we yeah. do a morning offering maybe, you know, yeah. that's, that's great. Or, or even a night, you know, I remember growing up and, and I remember my first prayer, having nightmares as a kid, and I remember telling my mum, you know, what do I, I'm having these nightmares. And my, she said, ask God to give you good dreams and not bad dreams. So my first prayer, going to bed was, dear God, give me good dreams and not bad dreams, and then go to bed. And uh, um, so I remember thinking, I, can, I pray. As a child, maybe that was acceptable. Mm -hmm. As an adult, as we grow and we need to grow in this relationship with God, it really isn't acceptable if we're just giving God a bit of lip service, mm -hmm. just turning up because we look good in front of others. Um, yeah. So can we just sort of, as we as we sort of coming to a close here, and and the purpose of the apostolate, very briefly, if we can. So what is what is prayer? And, and then how do people sort of begin the journey in going deeper? Yeah, I, I think so. the best analogy is, and I, it's not just my opinion, the spiritual doctors of the church all point to the marital, the marital relationship as mm -hmm. the best analogy for prayer. So if we were to give kind of the cultural Catholic version of prayer, it's two people who never communicate very deeply. They may pass one another in the hall and throw up a, hey, I love you, good to see you, but you're sort of roommates. Mm -hmm. You know, unless there's any real intimacy, real conversation. Stephanie and I spend a lot of time together. She's my best friend. We talk all the time. We specifically do meals together without, almost without fail, unless there's some. It, so it's normal every single night that we sit across from one another. We have conversation every breakfast if we can. The, the evening's the most important for us. And so prayer is a deeper level of intimacy wherein... The, the kind of prayer we're talking about that is most missing from the church and the most important mm. is that intimacy with Jesus where we get to know him, yes. emulate him, converse with him, fall in love with him, 
so we will give our life over to him. And I'm just by saying what I just said, I'm 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 thinking of a passage in the second the ascent of Mount Carmel, book two, Saint John of the Cross, where he asks and answers the question, How is it that I can make rapid progress in my sanctity and in my relationship with God? And he says, Study Jesus, emulate Jesus, love Jesus. You know, so that kind of prayer we're speaking about is prayer that if we say, well, if I said I love, claim I love Stephanie and I never dedicate time to her, then that's not going to work very well. Mm -hmm. There's no marriage on the planet that works with this, you know, crossing in the hallway. Um, every relationship that's substantive, that's deep and rich, happens because of specific, dedicated time regularly to connect with the other person at a deep level. So mental prayer, the saints would tell you, oh, I, I've derived three secrets from the saints, if you will, mm. that I wrote about in Into the Deep. Uh, there's more, but th three principal ones. Sacred time, which means you, every single day, say to the Lord, I know uh, it's right from, and just for me to give you this time, and I'm gonna give you 10 minutes, 15 minutes, an hour, whatever it is, and I'm gonna show up the same time every day and I'm going to open your word, which is living, mm -hmm. you know, and able mm -hmm. to transform us. And I want to meet you. Please show yourself to me. So sacred time, sacred space. Um, all of the saints, most, uh, most saints are religious. All saints, uh, almost with no exception, have a place where they go to pray. You know, they, and it's always a special place, even if it's simple. You know, even if it's in a cave in the desert, there's yes. a candle and an icon or whatever it is. So sacred space is where we set up in our homes, a place dedicated to prayer that helps our bodies and our hearts and minds more deeply engage to solve the biggest problem in prayer, which is sacred attention. Mm -hmm. And that's the ability to give our hearts and minds, to fill our hearts and minds with God. Always best, in my opinion, through scripture uh, at the beginning, particularly the gospels, because that's, that's where we, we get to know Jesus directly, and then give our hearts and minds over to that and uh, reset our concupiscence broken compass, you know, every day because of concupiscence, our compass goes off a true north, depending on how much we sin or what kind of sin it is. Sometimes that requires confession. But if we get up every day and give our first fruits to him, we get our compass back on true north. Uh, we get to know, uh, emulate, love him. That begins to transform us into authentic disciples. And then we're changed and then the world changes around us absolutely inevitable and the last thing i'll say because it's important uh, spiritual doctor of the church alfonso Liguri, teresa of avila uh, saint thomas aquinas will all tell us that it is not possible to get to heaven without knowing the one that we want to see in heaven yeah. because if we don't know him and we get there and we do a lot of this external stuff mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. we live culturally catholic but not deeply converted we're going to hear, as I talk about a lot, either in the parable of the virgins, actually Jesus talks about a lot, mm -hmm. the ten virgins, I, I, don't, I don't know you. Or in Matthew 7, 22, where he discusses what are, what are the good works that we do, but yet somehow we're not quite still in relationship with God, and we get to our, we get to our judgment, and he says, I don't know you. And instead, to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, we actually have to recognize and be recognized by him. Yes. when we enter into that 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 last judgment amazing um uh what i love about that that means what's very profound what you just said you said 
you said in there, <clears throat> so you can't get to heaven without mental prayer, mm-hmm. and you'll change the world. This is interesting because we we are we have a culture, and many people want to change, you know, want to have mm-hmm. impact on the world, and we think we can do it on our own power, but right. but it's really God ultimately. It's God's power here. So so you almost you you literally <laughs> mental prayer will not only change you, but it will change the world. It will, and we have a saying in Apostle VA. Uh, in the community, all things for God yeah. begin before God on our knees. Because look, I'm an idiot, you know. I'm just in, and I'm not being like falsely humble. I'm worthless without Him. So what am I doing, thinking I'm gonna, like I, I have, I, I am not qualified for anything I do. It gives me great comfort, by the <laughs> way. Some people say, well, you know, what's your doctorate in, or what's your, yeah. you know, what it was all. I'm like, you don't even want to know. Right, it has nothing to do. Whatever my edu- my education is, it has nothing to do with anything I do. But when we give ourselves over to Him and we begin on our knees, we rise in His wisdom, mm-hmm. we rise in His strength, we rise with His perspective, we rise with His inspiration, we rise in His power. And when we do that, we become like the apostles in the first century. You know, some of those guys are numbskulls. I mean, let's just be honest, right? Beautiful souls sold out for God. But in the end, until they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they're nothing. Mm. They're cowards. Mm. Mm. Even to the point of the Pope himself, the first Pope, rejecting Jesus or, or you know, denying, uh, denying Jesus. Mm-hmm. But but when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, what happened? Man, they blew the whole place up. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we need is that 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 encounter with Him that really changes us. And then it doesn't matter who you are, how broken you are. Um, how much you know, even uh, whatever it is, then he will use you mm-hmm. to do great things. Amen. Yeah. Now this is, as we close, and Stephanie, I want to get your insight on this. You mentioned that most saints are religious, and it's true. They have the structure. They have mm-hmm. the um, prayer life. Now, both of you are, are married, mm-hmm. and you're, trying, you're living this, this almost mystical life or this uh, contemplative life in mm-hmm. within marriage and um, the analogy that you use the relationship we have with God and then the analogy I think is brilliant uh, marriage on earth mm-hmm. so so there is a that courting time getting to know each other time that falling in love then the full commitment and now true love is getting up day after day after mm-hmm. day putting that person first that's right this is a mirror of heaven isn't it so it's a marriage on earth can you speak to this, Stephanie, about that's the analogy what Dan was talking about, about our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So we are we going to see a, an era of married saints as well because they're getting this very concept of if you want a relationship with God, understand your relationship on earth as well mm. um, as in a married state. That's a model of the Christian life. Yeah. yeah. Can you speak to that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I certainly hope so. Yeah. You know, that's that's my passion, mm-hmm. in, especially in the in the aspect of our marriage ministry. Yes. Um, when I see people being transformed and making commitments and sitting together and reevaluating their life, really from from the ground up and saying, "Okay, how do we make the second half of our life mm-hmm. count?" You know, um, as as we were talking about all the things in the world and. And, you know, we could be doing many things, but if we're not praying, those things, and, and it's, it's a hard truth to hear, 
but whatever is not inspired, whatever is not the fruit of prayer is useless. Mm. Many saints mm. speak about this. Um, and, and the thing is, it, it's because it's coming out of our flesh, our own ideas, opinions, or whatever, but they're not grounded in grace. They're not grounded as a fruit of prayer. So, um, I, you know, if, if we look at Sister Lucia, yes. you know, um, who was just canonized, you know, just recently, we wow. were just over there, and we actually prayed at her gravesite, and then on the flight home, I think we received news that, that she was um, canonized, which I thought was so incredibly beautiful. But in her exchange with Cardinal Kafara, um, in, a, in a letter exchange, she told him that the final battle was going to be um, on between marriage and family, you know, and we see that. Wow, we're seeing that. Absolutely. We're seeing that in all everything mm. from Holy Mother Church, the contact, you know, the the conflicts within Holy Mother Church, bishop against bishop, cardinal yes. against cardinal, um, the destruction of the family, the destruction of marriage. What else is more important? If we look at mm. that, if we understand that Our Lady has expressed that to us, um, that, that when, when the Lord put together Scripture, mm. you know, He begins with a marriage, yeah. right? Yes. In the Garden, um, uh, in the Garden of Eden. Yes. He begins with a marriage. The Lord's ministry begins at a marriage feast, mm. the wedding at Cana. How much more does He need to say yes. to us to say, this is really important. And if you'll understand that if you come together and dedicate time in prayer, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to heal. If we, if we look at what the enemy attacks, where does he go after us? In our sexuality, mm -hmm. in our oneness, in, in what it means to be man and woman fully united in marriage fruitful, bearing children, the enemy goes after that. Why? You know, the battle's not between us and Satan. It's between Satan and God. And Satan goes after what God loves. <laughs> and so he's going after that to destroy it. What's the antidote? The antidote is prayer. The antidote is truly coming to know our Creator, our Lover, our Redeemer, our sanctifier, our savior, who called us into being knowing that we would crucify and kill him. And in coming before him in prayer, allowing ourselves to be loved, I think that's something, yes, we're to love God, yes, we're to worship him and, and to come before him out of justice, um, to pray and to get to know him. But there's this little thing about allowing ourselves to receive mm -hmm. him, mm -hmm. that I think is also one of those secrets, that if we can learn to receive him in prayer, then he can indeed heal us, restore us, fill those empty places, fix the brokenness. He longs to heal us. And then knowing that that's going to bear fruit individually in our marriages, the world around us, our children, our children's children, has a profound effect. All of us can look at our family line and say, I can see the effect of the sin. 
that started with that grandfather, that grandmother, that broken marriage. We can all trace it. Can we not understand that we can do the same and reverse course? If we can get right with the Lord, make a commitment, mm -hmm. all it takes is one couple. Or one of the persons in the couple. Right, yes, right. Yes. And I, I talk about the power of one couple's prayer. You know, my grandparents pulling me into that little chapel, placing me in between them to pray. I believe that their prayer changed the trajectory of my life. I have no doubt that my abuela was praying for me. Bless her, sanctify her, help her to become who she's called to be. I know those graces were falling on me. And I tried to wipe them out and Satan tried to wipe them out. But in the end, God's will will be done, Amen. you know. Powerful. Yeah. I love it. I can add to that. The, the, the Bible closes with the wedding feast, the banquet, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this imagery of a wedding marriage. Mm -hmm. and, and what's beautiful is those the celibates and virgins, those in religious life, are not, um, they also are married, mm -hmm. yep. married to the, spouse, the, the, the lamb, <laughs> yeah. the bridegroom. Um, it's beautiful. I love our Catholic faith and I love how both of you live it out in such a beautiful way. Um, and and this whole theme, I think this whole theme that we just discussed, the power of marriage, the imagery of what that is, and may we rediscover what God, our identity as children of God, daughters and sons of, of, of the King. I love That's it. That's right. And then we love our spouses and our, our children and everyone else after that. <laughs> so God bless you both. Um, uh, I will make sure that uh, you put all the relative links, the resources, I do want to encourage people to also, if they want to know more about your apostolate, we'll put that link down. Um, the marriage course or the marriage retreat, mm -hmm. which we hope uh, be available very soon. And then the exciting news about the Prusy Academy. You just f finished filming uh, almost a 12-hour course on prayer mm -hmm. and an introduction to mental prayer and the interior life. Very excited about that one. And uh, I hope people take full advantage of that. Uh, and... Uh, well, God, please pray for us. Yeah, yeah. For us here. And yeah. I think this is only uh, the best is yet to come. Yeah. And so, I believe so what's too. exciting is you're only getting warmed up here, and uh, who knows what the impact this is going to have globally and, and over the next decade or decades and, and the future of our, our church and our world. So, thank you for both of you, what you're doing, and you're in our prayers. Thank you. And, uh, and I hope we get you back on one day uh, yeah. as well. Yeah, well. absolutely. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. It's been a joy. Praise God. Thank yeah. you again. Okay. Wow. Uh, I could speak to this couple all day, but uh, Dan and Stephanie Burke, powerful. I hope you're moved by that. Um, please visit the website, spiritualdirection.com. Links are all below. Pray for this couple. Pray for the ministry. Pray for all the members. And why don't you consider becoming a member? So please encourage you to do that. Subscribe to this channel as always. Click the bell. Share it with as many people as possible. That's another Perusia podcast. I'm Shelby Raish. Until next time, God bless.